your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 582 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba, alongside Brandon Piller up in the Blue Mountain. And today, we are going to make our case for Alfie to the Hockey Hall of Fame. No, not this Alfie. That's trying He's to trying to run to the hall right now. He's get to the hall, Alfie. Yes, Daniel Alfredson to the Hockey Hall of Fame. We need to make it happen. There's a great initiative going on through social media right now. So, Pilsy, why not have Craig Medaglia a part of today's show? The man who started the movement. And, yes, we are pumping the Alfie to the Hall train even louder than previous years, Ross. It is about time to get number 11 in there. And, hey, we got some good prospects we're looking at today as well. A couple of defensemen that could be high draft selections this year. Working our way up to pick number 11, which will happen tomorrow. All right, let's get into all that and more. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Senators your first listen on this Thursday, June 16th. We are free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube, where the best way you can help the show grow is to smash the like button below, subscribe to the channel, and leave a comment below. Today's comment, it's super easy. Put Alfie to the hall. We want to know your favorite Daniel Alfredson memory. Pilsy, it's a complete travesty that he's not in the Hall of Fame. How pumped were you to see that Twitter account blow up? when it came to, to life yesterday. It is about time the Alfie to the Hall movement is blowing up fully, Ross. We, we've tried to push it along. We got the ball rolling a little bit, but now it's an absolute avalanche going down the hill here. Everyone is tweeting the hashtag Alfie to the Hall. The new Twitter account is almost at 2,000 followers within, what, a week or something? And we've got some notable quote tweets. Everyone is joining in on this movement and it's about damn time that Daniel Alfredson gets some hockey hall of fame recognition. And the movement was started by two fans, but they had to bring in the heavy hitters to get this <laughs> off the ground. We're talking surreal leader and friend of the show, Craig Medaglia, who joins us Woo. now. Craig, what's going on, buddy? It's a long time coming to get this movement off of the ground. Take us behind the scenes. How did this whole thing go from an idea to what we've seen grow so far. Yeah, man. Um, so I, I think it was it was in the fall of 2020, right? Nobody was really doing anything. This is like, there, I think they were still working out the bubble playoff stuff and whatever else. And uh, Cyril, leader, actually reached out to me because uh, he knew this is this is something that we were both kind of passionate about. He's he's actually hit me up in the past. He's always said like someone's got to make a big video or a big push, and he's always been kicking the tires on that. And so he asked, he said, "Hey, would you be interested? Uh, we got a couple fans that they've done all the legwork." Right. They've been they, they're figuring out the process, which in itself, like to unravel the Hockey Hall of Fame submission process, like it's not easy. Uh, it's hard to do. And uh, that's something I mentioned yesterday, which is like that's it should be. It should be hard to get in the Hall of Fame. Right. It's the, it's the Hall of Fame. Like it, if anyone if everyone could get in it, it wouldn't mean anything. So it's it's a tricky process. But they found a bit of a I don't want to say loophole. 
but there's a bylaw that allows for uh, anyone to just put forward a candidate, right? It, it was meant to just kind of if if no if a player wasn't um, a, a team wasn't willing to go to bat for a player or a, 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 an international organization or whatever, uh, some fans or a, whoever their agent or who, whatever could 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 present the case forward. So we use that provision to do it for Daniel Alfredson. Kind of at the time, right, 2020, Daniel Alfredson wasn't really. Uh, on the Ottawa Senators' mind to help get into the Hall of Fame, and he hadn't been for many years. Um, and that was something that I dealt with a little bit when I worked there, which was was kind of like you, you don't say, you don't talk about it, right? You don't. Uh, so when it comes up every year and everybody's starting to do that push, it was just like, okay, we had to avoid it. And the thing we always dreaded was like, what if he got in? Like, what if we got in and we and the team hadn't done anything? It's just like, how bad does that look? So I always dreaded it. Like, it was something that I always were like every year. I'd say like, hey, we're gonna do anything or. And I was always told like, no, stand down. And so it, I get, I get it. Right. That was, that was the time, uh, but yeah, but you know, what's great is the times are changing. Right. Yes. So to be able, that was, that was really kind of when we, we knew this, that this had a really good chance to be successful was when we were pushing ahead regardless, right. Whether the team was on board or Alfie was on board, we were pushing, <laughs> we were pushing forward regardless because this is important. And um, if the team wasn't going to do it, we felt someone should even just to get it started, right? Like get, get the attend, get some actual attention going. But I mean, uh, as you saw, kind of a, a few things go right. And uh, the team, the team steps in as well. And they're, they're willing to, to support the bid. And um, so it's been, yeah, it's been a crazy uh, mix of everything going right and kind of manifesting itself into a pretty cool little movement for sense Twitter. And that's the thing that just frustrates me is the Ottawa centers have been around long enough this is the greatest Ottawa center of all time. He's been sitting, waiting to get his name called by the Hockey Hall of Fame. He's deserved of that achievement. Mm -hmm. And there just wasn't any spotlight. There wasn't any push. I mean, Ross, remember when uh, Hosa was inducted into the Hall of Fame? It was a massive moment because it was finally uh, drafted Ottawa center. Like that, yeah, like we're, we're making connections here rather than having the greatest. Uh, senator of all time be recognized we have to go and make reaches be like oh one of our drafted players made mm -hmm. it like yeah, who won Alfred, three cups somewhere else yeah he, yeah <laughs> his his time is most notable other places like yeah. it's about time that someone who was an ottawa senator the captain here for a long time that they get the proper recognition and i think now with the times changing like you said times are changing in the ottawa senators franchise this is the time to make that push fans are engaging more than ever and i really think that this is this is the perfect time for all this to line up yeah i mean you mentioned he's the greatest ottawa center of all time like i think that goes without saying like he's one of the greatest swedish players to ever play yeah he, he's one of the greatest nhl captains to ever play like these are these are all true statements that when you pair them with the stats and the numbers and the achievements and the accomplishments and then pair that with his off ice contributions like um somebody once said and, and i loved i love this saying is like he was he was pumping mental health um way before it was cool like way yep. before bell let's talk like before any of that stuff before it was kind of a touchy subject especially in hockey right to admit some yep. kind of mental weakness like he did that he did that before before it was socially kind of acceptable and, and applauded like he took that risk and kind of told his story about some things and um and that that affects a lot of people and, and you hear that when you hear his teammates speak about him what, what kind of captain he is right chris neal or mark mathot yesterday was talking about that as well it's just like he's just the integrity that he has it's like he makes you act different around him 
because he's you he, you have so much respect for him as a person as a player and a leader and all those things that i mean you, you factor all those things in and he, i think he's a slam dunk but you know what that's okay if he's not, I, I get it. The lens some people are looking at it through are is a little different, and that's blue wondering. tinted lens, maybe. Right, right, and and it's and also like because the team, it, it, he hasn't been a presence really, like uh, in a big way for how long? Like he was back for a little bit, I would say, since his jersey jersey retirement, and that was yeah. year what four, that was four, five ago, years ago. Like, like yeah. so, you haven't. That's one of the, my favorite things about putting that video together is I got to touch and handle a lot of highlights and things I haven't been able to play with forever. Right. Like these goals and these moments and that Darcy Tucker hit that we were talking about before, like those are all things that like you kind of you don't forget about them. But if you don't see them and you're not reminded about it constantly, like that's a guy that I I think people forgot how much he's done, like how absolutely elite he was. Like when um, we were we were looking at some some of the the stats from the video before, like where he ranks kind of right in his era, right? The 2000s to 2010. There it is. Like yeah, he's third, and look at the guys he's behind. Like he, he's during that during that decade, right? Like those are Hall of Famers there, right? And he's he's right up at the top. So and they have more games played too. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? Like Jerome yeah. McGinley, who was a who was a slam dunk Hall of Famer, right? During that era, which was arguably Jerome McGinley's best era as well, right? Like point per game, Alfie trucked him. So it, mm. it's it happens a lot. Like you see those things, and I think you kind of forget. Um, and I mean, if and imagine if that lockout year wasn't a wash. That was arguably his like most prime year. True. It was yeah. lost completely. Hundred percent. So it's just imagine what that those extra points those extra games could have meant that extra playoff push could have meant that year so it's um yeah i mean when you start laying it all out and that's really what the account's meant to do right is we're just going to slowly show hey here's another thing hey compared to these guys uh hey did you know that he led leads in this and like once you start pulling his international resume and it's nuts guys like this this guy's this guy's one of the best hockey players to ever play he played in our city forever captain like he means so much i think it's time for the ottawa senators to get a little recognition in the hall of fame right and i mean yep. even some stupid ones too like he scored the first ever shootout goal yep. in league history like that's a cool yeah. thing right like he's the cool. leafs nonetheless i'm pretty yeah, sure his stick is in the hall of fame for that already so i agree man that's where i was going black. like that's it man we already got a little bit in there let's add some more <laughs> so um I, I yeah i think that there's been some really cool stories like that the hamburglar run like there's some there's a little bit of hall of fame stuff around the ottawa centers mm-hmm. but like the recognition of one player who who really kind of epitomizes the franchise and is more than worthy to be there. Like we just we just want to convince the committee to just look at it, right? Take a look at it and 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 compare it to what you got here. And but but take a look at it seriously, right? Like uh, I think now is the time. And, and to see all the support on social media, like our plan, our whole plan is like the the committee meets not uh, this weekend but the next weekend, and then by the twenty seventh they an- they announce their. Um, who's going in this year? And uh, so, yeah, our, our plan is like, okay, well, let's let's present the case in public too. Like everything that you're seeing uh, is in the submission, right? Like these are all stats that uh, Corey and Steven pulled that I think they did a great job because I mean, once I like the more I read about it, I was like, okay, this is this is going to be. I don't want to say easy, but we have the ammunition. It's just like let's just shoot it the right way. So um, I, I think that once you kind of start seeing all those things, that um, I mean, it makes the case. So we got to convince the, this committee here to to take a look at it. And we just need a couple voices in that room to go, you know what, man, like these guys are right. So publicly, we're just trying to win public favor right now. We're trying to get everybody on the same page, everybody using the same hashtag, saying the same things. 
and um, and we're ready to talk about the reasons against him too, right? Like if people want to talk about the fact that he hasn't won a Stanley Cup, like we'll talk about that too. There's there's a, a lot of people in the Hall of Fame that have never won a Stanley Cup. Like yeah. it hasn't disqualified them. So yeah. it just means your resume has to be pretty much bulletproof. And I'd argue that his is his is close to that. So um, the, the stat that again, this is a this is a Stephen and Corey stat is that like since 2000, it's 28% of inductees haven't won a Stanley Cup. So nice. it's like, okay, so that's not insane, right? One in oh. three, one in three, pretty much. And they're going to induct five. So give us one, throw two more to some cup boys, and then who cares, right? Like, it's yeah. all good. So um, I, I think there's a way he gets in. I, I really hope it's this year, just given the magnitude of how every, how well everything's going, the vibes around yes. around everything, right? Just seem to be pointing in a direction where it's like, man, this would be a, this would be a good time to do it. So I really hope it's this year. But God forbid if it's not because I understand this process is crazy sometimes. Uh, I'm pretty happy with the headway that we made. And at least it's it's made it back into the conversation again. And there's way more advocates and way more people pushing in one direction now. So it used to be like a lot of, you'd see an article pop up or a podcast and they'd kind of make the case and it'd be well, well, well put together. But it's like, once we all band together, it's like we can trend in Canada, right? We can, we can pop 3000 retweets on a video. Like, that's that really shows the kind of the commitment of the fan base uh, and their passion for the product. And, and I think you're seeing a lot of, a lot of people, I know we talked about um, some of the players chiming in and how maybe some of the players that Alfie played with, they're not really Twitter guys. And you're seeing that a little bit too with the fan, like you're seeing a lot of older fans really chime in and help us drive yeah. this because they like, they remember that stuff. That was their guy. So how about it, how about no profile picture Radic Bonk thrown out the hashtag? He's the best. The best is the, the, the group was like, "Are we sure that's Radic Bonk?" I was like, "Yeah, that's Radic Bonk." Yeah. So, <laughs> he's uh, that was great, man. Like I love that kind of stuff. So yeah. it's it's neat to see like young and old, like across the board. Uh, the the Sens kind of online community, uh, they're all behind it, which is really it's it's neat. It's cool to see like kind of a unified campaign. So we're pretty lucky that that worked out that way. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see I pulled up the 1994 draft. The reason being, a little name drop, Radic Bonk there. The third overall pick finds himself about 10th in total points from that draft. And you notice the guy who's in first happened to be drafted 133rd overall. Yes, it's Daniel Offerton with 1,157 points. Craig mentions no Stanley Cup. Well, I don't think it's the National Hockey League Hall of Fame. I believe it's the Hockey Hall of Fame. And not only does he have a gold medal, but he led that Olympics in scoring. He's also been to five Olympics, silver medal in there. You mentioned the lockout year. Well, what did he do? Went over <laughs> to Sweden and won a championship. Was the yeah. top scorer Very in that low. Swedish Hockey League playoffs. But my favorite stat, and I'm sure you guys will touch on this in your campaign, and if not, here's a free idea. Yeah. The Senators' playoff appearances in franchise history. They've had a team for 28 seasons because the lockout year 29 were coming up on the 30th anniversary. With Alfredson on the team, 13 playoff appearances in 16 years. Without him, two in 12. And one of them, he was a member of the front office. So one out of 11 years without him as a member of the front office, they've made the postseason. It just shows the impact that he's had on this on this team. What's the one thing, before we let you go, Craig, yeah. this has been an awesome little push and we obviously we're telling everyone to go follow at Alfie to the hall. Let's get this account at 11,000 followers at the Ooh, least. Like that would be a nice number, nice round up for no reason in particular. Yeah, like but what's the one stat that you've learned from this process through 
maybe that you didn't even know about Alfie or one that you just want to highlight as being this is kind of our our, our silver silver bullet rather Ooh. of why we've got a great case. I really like I really like his numbers when you adjust them for era, right? When you when you do that, it like he starts he jumps up a lot of lists once you start kind of looking at the way like because look at you can go back and watch highlights from the 80s and 70s and like my son always does this too he's like could you imagine if Connor mcdavid played back then is <laughs> like yeah he would absolutely destroy the league but that's the, using hindsight in, in your case and he would play. also get uh rocked by scott stevens pretty yeah quickly sure too. like so the rules were a little different there, yeah, yeah the rules were different <laughs> then right like you could clutch and grab and bury and just like uh shadow a superstar you know and make his life miserable like that that's that doesn't happen as much these days in, yeah. in that regard but when you start looking at his adjusted era stats it's like this guy's top 50 in 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 all time like are there more than 50 players in the hall of fame i think so a lot my last check yeah there was and Mm. and um like i mentioned i don't have these directly in front of me but i but but his comparisons to like um forwards who are already in the hall of fame again he's like he's he's near the not near the top of that list but it's he's ahead of a lot of guys who are already in so what how do you make the case do you point out okay he's better than the guys that are in or do you do you do you say all the stuff he's done and he deserves to get in more than these guys? I think that makes the case. And, and I mean, like some of the names, and we saw it on your, your list of the, the of his draft years, like Patrick Elias, like that's another yep. guy, McGilney, um, the Sedins, like there's some other Keith names. The out Jack, there. Yeah. 500 there's, goals. There's some other names out there with some fan bases behind them that are going to make some noise and things like that. And, and so those are some of the comparisons we looked at, right? Especially the Sedins. Like I would say that they're, pretty on par the difference is, is there's yeah. two of them right they won maybe some bigger and um, major awards alfie kind of maybe uh, they should go in on one plaque the Sedins. yeah i mean <laughs> that, it's one of those things it's like jesus these guys get to do everything together so i mean they i, I the great players i definitely think that they're hall of fame worthy but when i say that it's like okay i think daniel often is more hall of fame worthy so yeah. it, it's these are all guys that i think are going to get in and it's just it's going to take time and it's already taken time with alfie right yeah, like yeah. he retired like years ago, like it's too much time. Right. So it's like before too much time passes, like, let's just, let's just get this one. Right. Let's get that guy in. We'll all quiet back down. Uh, and then until it's time for who, I guess, who, who'd be next. I don't even talk about that, uh, <laughs> but actually, hey, listen, that's the team's problem. We'll do this one. And yeah. Then they can, they can yeah. The we'll one. do this one for sure. 289 <laughs> players are in the hockey hall of fame as it stands right now. And it's a travesty that Daniel Offertson is not among them as much as we'd like to forget his last season as well. He's one of, I believe, only a handful at most. I want to say he's the only player, but I cannot confirm that he's the only player to lead his team in scoring as a rookie and in his final year in the league, which is oh, just interesting. I mean, absolutely incredible. And yeah. uh, you can say maybe Datsuk Zetterberg were injured that year in Detroit, but you know what? It's not how, it's how many. And you That's look right. back and he was first there. Craig, keep doing some great work. We always appreciate you. Now that you're in the Restream studio, you're officially friend of the show territory. Hey, yeah, so we'll have you two. back on Ooh, as always. Keep up the great work with Wally Mathod and Alfie to the hall. Make sure you're following along and at Craig Medaglia, the legend himself. Thanks for joining us today, Craig. Yeah, boys. Thanks for the support too. Stick taps to Craig Medaglia for joining us. Always a great interview with him. We had him on a few months ago. It was a fantastic conversation. You always will go back and find that wherever you get your podcast or on YouTube. All right, time to get to our draft rankings. But before we do, Pilsy, you got a word from one of our favorite sponsors. Yeah, Craig's the best. We always love having him on our show. And speaking of the best, are you looking for the best protein bar out there? Well, 
If you are, I'm here to tell you that you are a lucky listener because <laughs> we can tell you all about the best protein bar out there. It's Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. What I love about Built Bar, Ross, is they focus on making their bars taste good. And then they say, okay, how can we make this healthy? An example, the Built Puffs. It's a marshmallow chocolate bar. That doesn't sound very healthy. What about a protein-infused marshmallow chocolate bar? That sounds amazing. All Built Bar protein bars are covered in 100% chocolate. The protein bars, the puffs, and they're even bringing out new granola bars. So check those out for sure. Built Bar, they have so many different flavors. If you haven't tried them yet, I recommend getting the mix box. There's banana cream pie, raspberry, double chocolate. They got brownie. They got coconut. Every flavor I've tried, I've liked. But don't just take my word for it. Head to built.com right now. Use our promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. Once more, guys, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. It's Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. All right, back to the Locked On Senators draft rankings. Coming in at number 14 with an average rank of 17.14. A player who certainly made a name for themselves with a fantastic WHL playoffs. It's defenseman Kevin Korchinski. Kevin Korchinski. He is, uh, Ross, when I finished my uh, notes about him, I, I came to the conclusion that this isn't a defenseman, it's an offenseman. And I've said that about a couple guys in this draft, but with Korchinski, I really think it rings true. Like, just look at these numbers for the kid. 67 games, 65 points. And in the playoffs, like you mentioned, he had a great playoffs. 25 games, 19 points. This guy is all about putting the puck in the back of the net and helping his teammates do the same thing. And where he really thrives is in transition to get the puck going north and into the offensive zone. No doubt. You look at 61 assists in 67 <laughs> yeah. games. You know he's getting the boys involved. That's a popular teammate right there. Just handed out apples like he's a farmer. And you look at it in the postseason, 19 points, but six goals. So he had more goals in 25 playoff games than he had in 67 regular season games. And he skyrocketed up the rankings. He'd be even higher on our average if Bob McKenzie had put out an updated list. Because right now, these are his post-World Junior rankings. And he's the only guy who has them in the 20s, down at 25. Elite Prospects, their draft guide, out now, available now. They have him at 19. Craig Button at 18, Scott Wheeler at 17, Pronman at 16, Peters at 14, and Ferrari at 11. So this might be the first time where half of the scouts have him in consecutive order. This guy's range is clearly a lot tighter than the ones we've been working with in the past, and a big reason for it is this playoff. He's a late riser in terms of the overall draft perspective. At the start of the year, you're like, okay, Maybe he could be a first-round pick, but talk about solidifying your position. No better way than doing it on the biggest stage. And nobody was going to beat that Edmonton Oil Kings team. It was just their year. They're a wagon from Genther to Gooley to Casa and Goal. Like just an overall juggernaut of an offensive team. But Korchinski, throughout the WHL playoffs, made it known that the bigger the game, the better he was going to perform. This guy is going to be a power play quarterback for years to come at the NHL level. I think he's still pretty raw. I would say he's at least three years away from making an impact at the NHL level. 
But the raw tool, standing 6'2", 185 pounds, left shot defenseman. I don't know if he gets past the Anaheim Ducks at 10, Pillsy. Like, that's how high I think he could end up going in this draft. Yeah, I think when you're when you're looking at where he could be drafted, it's going to be teams are going to have their preference, and we're going to cover another defenseman in today's show. But there's a trio of defensemen that are going to go after the right shot guys. And it's basically going to be take your pick which of those guys you prefer. And then the other teams will have their pickings of the guys that have fallen to them. I think they're all very similar, but there's certain things like with Korchinski, what I like about him, Ross, is he doesn't, he doesn't rush things when he's trying to break out in transition. And what I mean by that is instead of just being like, I got to go north all the time, like 100% just move that puck up, even if it, it results in a turnover, even if I have to force a pass, I got to get the puck moving north. Well, he doesn't do that. He does a good job of cutting back and waiting to see if there's a better play. Like, he's not just going to force that pass. He'll cut back, let the attackers kind of shift and flow, and then realize where his options are, and that's when he makes his move. And he does a really good job of that cutback, and then he gets guys to chase him, too. Like, he'll cut back, go behind his own net, and then I don't understand what these players are doing, Ross, but I saw so many highlights of guys chasing him around the net. That's exactly what he wants you to do. He's baiting you into doing that, and then... He goes, obviously, the other side of the net. And now it's a five-on-four breakout. Essentially, you're, the opponents are down a man because he's still behind the net trying to catch up here. And that's why I think Korchinski is a great part of a power play, too, because we've talked about it a bunch. Getting into the ozone uh, once the puck has been cleared is half the battle of a power play. If you can't get back across that blue line, who cares if you have Josh Norris, uh, Steven Stamkos, and Alex Ovechkin? If they can't set up in their office, it doesn't matter. So Korchinski is a guy that's going to get those guys set up into their office. No question. Offensively, he's unbelievable. Even elite prospects, despite having him 19th overall, call him the fifth best offensive defenseman in the draft. They have shades of, and I like that better than a player comparable, because then you're kind of boxing them in. There's shades, and elite prospects as shades of John Klingberg and shades of Jake Gardner. Uh, from his time so with that comes the inherent issue away from the puck and in his own zone defending very uh, Jake Gardner's a good one I I think that's a really appropriate one yeah definitely not a strength of his boxing out in front of the net or battling in the corners yeah and there's been some playoff moments where he's had uh dash four was it wasn't he dash five the one game but but then you start looking you're like yeah that's awful and uh, Ultimately, that kind of cost the Leafs a couple series. Is is Gardner collapsing in big games? But he got them there. He got he put up big points, and he was a big reason why guys were able to have success in the power play. So yep. you can't fully blame him. And that's where, if we're getting into some of the negatives about Korchinski, that's where you start seeing this, Ross. I mean, we mentioned it. EP draft guide out. That's I would say our that's number ridiculous. one source. Eight hundred and fifty-four pages. Elzy, I I just clicked print on it. I didn't realize. That oh, it was what so are you big. doing? Look You're at killing this. trees. Look at, this. Look at this. Oh no, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> it's all online. Don't. And kill you know what the worst part trees. is? You know what the worst part is? I ran out of Color ink printing. when I got to the when I got to the big. St- to the best prospects. Oh, man. Yeah, but a- anyways, like I was saying, their draft Sorry. guide is just incredible. It's uh, look, look at all that work. Like, that's insane what they do. This, is, this isn't even half it. Yeah. This isn't even half it. It's unbelievable. It's I got wild. a lot of reading to do. Exactly. We, we all do. But 
EP, what I like is they show each of their scouts uh, scouting reports from all the games they go to. That's how it ends up being so long. They scout a lot of players and a lot of games. And they mentioned he's one of the worst uh, on-puck defenders in the draft. He's not able to engage with attackers well, and he just kind of watches the the puck going around. And they even went as far to say that sometimes he's a complete liability on defense, and it's better for him to just simply get off the ice and get someone else on there. So when I say Kevin Korczynski is an offenseman, this is what I'm talking about. you got to take the good with the bad. The good's real good, but the bad's real bad. Yeah, and when we're looking in transition, he was listed as a top five guy by almost every scout at Elite Prospects. And, and as we mentioned, um, when you look at what he brings, it's it's offense. That's, he's an offensive-minded guy. That's why it's like, all right, who who could he be a good fit for? There's a few teams. I mentioned Anaheim. Like they already got Drysdale, who's a pretty like two-way guy, but more offensive leaning. Now Korchinski, I think we mentioned he's a left shot defenseman, which you know is a little more common um, than not. But I would be surprised if he's not the third defenseman off the board. Simply when we're comparing him to Denton Matejchuk from yesterday. It's just the size. Like, that's probably the tiebreaker between them. Like, Matejchuk's probably a bit better in his own zone, despite being a little less um, in terms of physical stature. But what Korchinski does, he does elite. And then you're going to find a coach or a GM who says, all right, if we just focus on this one area of his game, we can improve it. Whereas with Matejchuk, you're like, all right, he's great at the WHL level, but will this skill translate versus men? I think the transition ability for Korchinski is a certain reason why he's been such a riser up these charts. And, well, there's a reason why you need offensive defensemen in the NHL. And he's going to quarterback a power play. Like, there's no doubt in my mind this kid's an NHL defenseman. But does he go 10 or does he go 15? I think that's kind of the range we're looking at for Kevin Korchinski. Yeah, I would agree. And, and I think when, when you're comparing him to Matejchuk, who we just covered in yesterday's show, go check that out. Very similar, though. Like, Matejchuk, 65 games, 64 points. Yeah. He's only one point behind. But where I think uh, Korchinski's offense rises above Matejchuk, Matejchuk has a little bit better defending. So that kind of balances out in that scenario. But, I mean, if you've got a scenario where, uh, let's say, uh, Korchinski gets put up beside a shutdown veteran defenseman and he doesn't have to worry so much about the defensive side of it, then you've got something that works there. And... EP mentions this. It's better to have a guy that has the natural instincts to play offensively and is able, like their mind works that way and they need to work on defense because defense, that's more of a coachable side of the game, right? Like you can tell a player, you can drill into their head reps. This is what you need to do in this situation. All right, you're not good at getting the puck. We're going to do a hundred puck retrieval drills just over and over for hours and you're going to figure this out. Whereas offensively, like, you have to have that born creativity. Like you can't really teach that. So it's better from a prospect point of view to have those offensive instincts and be able to be coached defensively. And that's where Korczynski, that's the hope is what's going to be when a team picks him to develop him. Before I get your stars, Pilsy, I think this quote from Scott Wheeler says it all. Korczynski lives and dies trying to guide play with and without the puck with his mobility, pivots, and directional changes. Lives and dies with it, for better or worse. Yep, and and that's the thing. Like, when he does those cutbacks and sometimes re-scans, sometimes he makes a, a risky pass anyways. Yep. But 
the odd time, or most of the time, I should say, he's making a smarter pass than he would have that first time. And sometimes when he does the cutback, the EP was mentioning in one of their videos, he doesn't quite do it with enough edges, and he ends up just slowing himself down, and then he just gets tied up. So there's good with the bad. He's got a lot of work to do, as a lot of young defensemen do, but the talent is there, and his play, the playoffs for Seattle was his coming out party, and people could see what he could do on a big stage. How many stars, Pilsy? I've got uh, I've got him at sorry Kevin Korchinski at three stars here and because like like you were you're talking about him going tenth overall so that's a that's a difficult spot for the Sens to get into uh, or he's going to go sometime in the early teens. I don't think the Sens are looking for a left shot offenseman in their prospect uh, pipeline here. So for that reason, I give him three stars just because the defense is so bad. I think it's going to take years to to coach out here and he's not the guy i would really target if the Sens do in fact decide to do something with that seventh and uh, move back uh, in into the teens all right coming in at number 13 on our locked on senators nhl draft rankings we're going back to the ontario hockey league so a run of chl defensemen concludes with russian-born pavel minchikov what do you think about the big russian kit He's very similar to Kevin Korchinski, which is is uh, great that we have them kind of side back by side here. Yeah, and uh, Mintyakov is one of those guys that we talked about with Machayek, with Korchinski, that they're kind of the trio of left shot defensemen that teams are going to have their pick of which of these guys do we prefer for different reasons. And as you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, for the listeners, I'll read out the stats, but very similar to Matejchuk and Kurczynski. 67 games played, although 17 goals. He's putting up a lot more goals than these guys. 45 assists, good for 62 points. So all three of these guys um, passed the 60-point mark, which is pretty damn impressive, especially considering uh, Mintyakov. He missed last year in the OHL. He was playing in Russia. He got a couple games uh, in the MHL. Then he decided, I'm going to come over to North America. OHL shuts down for a year, unfortunately, but... He made up for it big time as he was third in the OHL for points by a defenseman. So he came out with a bang. Not only points, Pilsy, 17 goals yeah. to his name. 45 assists, 28 penalty minutes. He's ranked as high as seventh on Craig Button and Elite Prospects list. But then the flip side, Scott Wheeler has him all the way down at 25. Tony Ferrari at 23. In the middle, we've got Corey Pronman at 18. Bob McKenzie at 16 and Chris Peters as well here at 17. So that's an average of 17.42. You referenced Russia, grew up in the Dynamo, Dynamo, easy for me to say, Moscow program. But this guy is unbelievable in transition. How many times did you watch him swoop behind the net? Goalie just stops it there for him. And next thing you know, it's bingo, bango, bongo. And there's a great scoring chance down at the other end of the ice. Elite Prospects was just lauding that ability. And each one of their scouts has to put in their best transition defenseman. Minchikov was second on David St. Louis list, second on J.D. Burke, second on Daniel G., first on Mitch Browns. So you get where I'm going with that. This guy, he thrives with the puck on his stick, especially coming out of his own zone and making the right read and giving the puck to the right guy in certain situations. So this is a player, I think we have the order... Just off, I would probably have, if it was my personal rankings, Matejchuk above Korchinski. But Minchikov, I take over both of them. 
Yeah, okay, that's where I'm at as well. And I think uh, in our in our mock draft that you guys will watch uh, later on, I was a little higher on Kurczynski, but after looking at Mintikov a little bit more, I would give him a slight edge for a couple reasons here. You mentioned um, his game in transition. Where he differs from Kurczynski is Mintikov, he doesn't do that cutback. He gets the puck and he's like, I'm going north and yep. I'm going north quickly. And he doesn't make any hesitations. Now, like Korchinski's uh, approach, so you got to take the good with the bad because often he's able just to push past um, opponents that just simply aren't ready to contain his speed or they're they're trying to get him to hesitate, but he just won't, and he makes smart, quick decisions. But when you're just going north all the time, you're going to end up forcing turnovers just because you're just trying to force things too much and, and you're going to get caught eventually. Uh, you're going to get caught red-handed and they're going to strip the puck and turn it over the other way. But he excels in the transition game. And what I like about him is he plays a give-and-go style type of transition game, which I think is underused in the NHL a lot now. Like a lot of times the defenseman just makes a big first pass like across uh, their own blue line and then that forward now just carries it from the red line and into the ozone which is fine that's a good quick way to move the puck but it doesn't exactly allow for a lot of creativity and it becomes very easy to read and shut down if your opponents where um Mintiaki, he really does a good job of having those give and goes and he keeps things interesting so that it's not just a one trick pony and teams aren't able to create defensive systems to just shut him down easily so i think there's a lot of value to be had there there certainly is. He's he's ever improving as well. He took a little while to adjust when he came over, according to Scott Wheeler, but then he just absolutely blew up after that. Like the offense, as we mentioned, everything kind of pops with him. And I like what the shades of is for elite prospects here. John Carlson uh, from the Washington okay. Capitals, of course, a Norris nominee, like always around a point per game, it seems the last few years. But certainly they have shades of that. Now, a Western Conference scout tells elite prospects, Quote, he's a wild stallion that hasn't had the benefit of playing in structured coaching. He's got all the tools to be a difference maker, but needs some proper development that he won't get in Saginaw. Whoa, little little shot at the Saginaw development system. I mean, fair shot. Like, um, Can't really tell you any Saginaw spirit players that are dominating the NHL. No, none are really coming coming to mind, if I'm being honest. And yeah, that's the thing with Pavel uh, Mintyakov is that um, he he was thrown into a team that was very bad. Only the uh, Niagara team did worse than them in the OHL. They did not make the playoffs. And it was his first year playing over in North America, and he was able to thrive like this. Uh, And EP, like you mentioned, they give uh, little awards here, and they gave him the top offensive defenseman uh, award in this draft. And you mentioned some comparables. uh, Corey Pronman compared him to Brandon Montour. I like that as well. I think that one works uh, works for him here. And he he's just like, I love the Wild Stallion um, analogy because it's like, you know, at the rodeo when there's like a bucking Bronco and yeah. they're like stuck in the gate and then they just like give Go him one, one last like push and then they open the gate and he's going yeah. crazy and no one knows what he's going to do. That's what happens here. Okay, can I get way off topic again? Yeah, do it. We got, that's what we do. So Cole Perfetti, we got to give a little shout out. Saginaw Spirit. Yeah, see, I didn't even think of that. Two guests of Locked On Senators. Uh-oh. Cody Bass and Paul oh. Bissonette. Yes, yeah, I forgot Biz played there, yep. And are you ready for the cherry on top? Or yeah, should I, I say the so. cherry on Tom? 
Pyatt a Saginaw uh-huh. Spirit <laughs> alumni as well. But yes, getting back to Minchikov, I, I think that it's perfect. He was voted by Elite Prospects as the best offensive defenseman in the draft, period. More than Nemich, more than Yerichek, the number one offensive defenseman in the draft, second best defenseman in transition, and the fourth best vision. Ironically, Elite Prospects' lowest grade on him is his shot that contributed 17 goals last season. Just imagine what he would have put up in the OHL, Pilsy, if he had that extra year of development last season. So what's he going to do next? I think it's going to be a super interesting conversation to have because is he a guy who's going to go to the AHL right away, right? Because those overseas players that come to the OHL, they are not destined to be sent back necessarily to that league. So he could step in and maybe get that better coaching that this one scout thinks he needs. But with Scott Wheeler, he, he just wants to see a little bit more in his own zone from him. And I understand that too. But with a wild stallion, you don't put them in a farm, right? You have to let them run wild and, and do their thing. So I think that he's a guy who's going to need to be in the right system at the NHL level. Like he can't be in on Barry Trott's coach team. It's just not going to fit him. He needs to be in a run and gun like, Imagine him on Colorado, the way those defensemen always work in transition. He needs to be put in a situation to succeed. And if he is, this guy's going to be a stud. I just don't know if Ottawa's the place for him. Yeah, and that's totally fair. And I think the difference, though, from me comparing EP's um, kind of vision of Korchinski versus Mintiakov here is the fact that EP, as their scouting reports get later and later into the season, a lot of their comments were applauding his improvement on defense. Whereas with Korchinski, we, we didn't see that. Like it, it just remained that he was still a liability, still putting up big points, but he's not helping out on defense. Where whereas um, there's a lot I, more improvement defensively going on here. Yeah, you're right. I don't know if we mentioned too. Left shot, six foot two, hundred ninety four pounds. So I mean, he's got that buck and bronco. Uh, he's got the size, size of it, too, right? But yep. uh, just let him fill out a couple extra years and. We'll see because the offense has always been there for him. So let's see what he can do at the next level. I like that John Carlson comparable though because there's times where you look at him in the own zone and you're like, what the hell is going on? But when the puck's on his stick, you're like, oh man, I understand now that's why he's – Yeah, that's what's going on <laughs> right there. So I'm pretty high on him, all things considered. Still three stars because of the position he plays. If he was a right shot guy, it'd be four. But left shot, just not a need. This is not a fit. For the Ottawa Senators, but still three stars because I love the raw tools that this guy possesses. Yeah, and I mean, on, on my scale, it, it's kind of similar because you had um, Kevin Kurtinsky at two and a half. I had him at three, so I'm bumping uh, Mintyakov up a little. I got him at three and a half just because I think there, we're already seeing that defense getting better and the offense is still there. And with the weaker shot, still getting 17 goals, if he can work on that shot as well. So obviously what that tells me is he gets into the right spots to have his shot work. He doesn't have to just rely on the fact that he's got a good shot from low percentage uh, spots that are just going in. He's getting into the right areas and he's joining the rush at the right time and getting himself open for teammates for a good pass and a good opportunity. So I've got him at three and a half stars. All right, appreciate you making Locked On Senators your first listen today. And again, Alfie to the Hockey Hall of Fame. We need to make it happen. Shout out to Craig Mendaglia for joining us, a great friend of the show. We appreciate him very much. If you want more on the Ottawa Senators, maybe some trade speculation, I made an appearance on Locked On Wild with Seth Tupal talking about Kevin Fiala and what it might take to make him 
an Ottawa Senator. Pilsy, we got a big show tomorrow as well. We're nearly into the top 10. Can you believe it? We're still working away on our mock draft. We've got interviews planned coming your way over the next two weeks. So stay locked on Senators wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe on YouTube. We are inching closer. We said 2,500 and we got a couple jerseys to give away. Right now, I believe we are 110, give or take, away. So tell a friend, be a friend, tell a friend, and make sure to get that number pumped up. Because I don't know who else is doing five shows a week in the offseason, or is it just us? Not too many, I'll say that. A market inefficiency. But we do really appreciate you joining us each and every weekday right here on the show. We'll be back for more tomorrow. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day.